Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and now powered by our first sponsor, TireGit, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, so you might as well buy them from us. Support the movement, freedom of movement, the freedom of movement that this tyrannical globalist agenda means to take from you. I'm your host, Royce White, and I'm here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And tonight we have another great family and friends episode lined up for you. Our guest is none other than the legendary Alex Jones. Alex Jones is somebody who spent most of his life telling the truth, speaking out against the establishment. And for that, he has become a primary target of exactly what we talked about on Monday, the national strategy for countering domestic terrorism a document that is a part of a prevailing ideological and political culture that means to silence the truth and censor anybody who will speak out against the wickedness and corruption of of our governing institutions and and well beyond. And and even more important in Alex's case, the spiritual warfare that undergirds it. Uh, Alex has become a a prime target, uh, one of the most dangerous men in America by the establishment's criteria. And he's, he's, taken a lot of hits. He's taken a lot of hits, but he's never been more on target. He's never been more on message. The truth that's coming out of him on a daily basis has never been more clear. And we're happy and proud and honored to be able to have Alex Jones here on Please Call Me Crazy. Because as I said, Monday, he is one of the OGs or godfathers of being called crazy when in fact, he's a patriot. He's a truth teller. He's a good man and a God fearing man. So without further ado, I bring to you the great Alex Jones. Welcome, the great Alex Jones. It's a pleasure to have you here at Please Call Me Crazy. I told my fans and uh, my, my new fans and subscribers on Monday that it's only fitting we go back and get the original OG godfather of, of being called crazy and, and turning out to be right on so many things. Uh, before we get started here today, I'd like to say thank you personally from myself and my team at Please call me crazy and free people radio for allowing me to share your platform over at InfoWars and the entire InfoWars team. We really appreciate it. A lot of our new fans, subscribers, listeners from all around the world message in and say, hey, I first saw you on AJ uh, and, and I'm happy you have your own podcast now. So we thought it was only right to get to get the OG himself in here in some of the earliest episodes, infancy of, of this podcast. So welcome to Please Call Me Crazy. Um, there's so much I'd like to get into into with you. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're a walking encyclopedia of so many issues that, that are pertinent today. Obviously, that's why you are who you are. But for our subscribers and, and for our audience, I think it's important in these times to go back and, and I don't want to say substantiate, but, but create the, the, the arc of, of history for our, for our guest. Um, we, we call these family and friends episode, and I certainly consider you a friend and family and, and, a, a, a you know, a fighter in the movement, but what, what has happened and what I've seen, even with myself, but, but certainly figures like you or Steve Bannon, we interviewed the great Steve Bannon, uh, last week, his episode was last Friday. Um, the, the, Trump derangement syndrome that's taken over in the mainstream media, that's taken over our our entire, you know, information zeitgeist, will spit out stories to people who don't pay close attention about Bannon, about uh, Christina Caramo, about 
Donald Trump himself, but but certainly about you and and your history and and being an alternative media source and a very good one at that, one of the best of of all time in my opinion. Um, your history starts way way before Donald Trump ever comes onto the scene, uh, and in fact, one of the main info wars that's being waged, especially on the black community, is that all Republicans are the same, all conservatives are the same. All conservatives or Republicans are more or less conspiracy theorists, which they call you and me. Um, but but they're, they, they have no real concept of the arc of history of, of, of figures like yourself. So if we can to start, and, and feel free to tell me if you want to go, go away from this, but if we can to start, bring me back to post 9-11. I want to go back to 9-11. I want to go back to when I, as a young man coming up, first heard of Alex Jones and Alex Jones pops on the scene and he, he fights against the Bushes and the prevailing neocon, neoliberal world order uh, well, well before Donald Trump ever ever comes onto the scene. Well, I, I consider you a friend as well, and it's great to be here with you. And I know you've already been really successful in shows you've done, but I, I'm really glad you're doing this new show with all this great production quality. And, and you know, Mr. White, may I call you Mr. Morpheus? Uh, it's uh, good to be here with you. We're in the middle of a giant awakening taking place with record numbers of people discovering that there are powerful multinational corporations that want to play God, want to run our lives. And for me, a lot of what Trump did was good. I think he means well. He really tried to be the president and actually tried to be in charge. So that's why the deep state hated him because before, you know, going back till people like Jimmy Carter and on, they were puppets to a great extent, especially... Uh, you know, people like Joe Biden, uh, Bill Clinton. I mean, they had power. They made some decisions, but overall, they had committees that told them what to do. And so I was blessed to grow up around a lot of family that was uh, very informed about politics in the world. Uh, a lot of the family, when I would go to family reunions, you know, were uh, military and officers in the military. And it also uh, worked, you know, like my mom's brother who died about eight years ago, great guy. He was a wonderful person really smart, and he kind of educated me along with my dad uh, when, when I was young, so I got it from both sides of the family, but he'd been heavily involved uh, in the whole management end uh, of Iran-Contra, and he had gotten out of all that. Uh, it was CIA and Army Special Operations in the middle of it, uh, and he didn't tell me until, until he was dying that the reason he got out of it was they. he said they had orphanages in Central America that the U.S. government was involved kidnapping and smuggling kids to do God knows what, so human trafficking. He, he told me that before he died about uh, eight, and a half, eight and a half years ago, but he would, he would never talk about it because it was so dangerous. He didn't give me the specifics, but he said I was dead on with what was going on. So I was blessed to grow up in a household uh, where we had a lot of people that loved America and were patriots of the family, both sides, but they were all very upset about the globalist and the New World Order taking over. And back then, maybe 1% of the population in the 1980s, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, were aware of this, but I was very blessed to know it. It was my family. And when you're a young person, a kid, you kind of don't ignore what your parents and family are saying, but it's still kind of, okay, yeah, great. They're like, oh, America's great. Texas is great. We're different than the rest of the world. We're not perfect, but... We're a better system. They're targeting it. There's these powerful forces taking it over and shipping our jobs overseas. And so you kind of just file it as stuff parents and family say. And so, yeah, I've been on air 29 years uh, coming up next month. And so I've been on air since like 
early 1994 and politically active several years before that since I got out of high school. And so my frustration with Trump is it's like being typecast. I'm not an actor. I'm not saying what I do is an act, but the world is a stage, as Shakespeare said, each of us players upon it. So I was already big, had done a lot of work before, you know, written books, made films, reached hundreds of millions of people. But when Trump came along, the system decided to boost me to say I was Trump's brain and attack Trump. And so instead of being known by the folks that were awake around the world and, and, and the really front line of, of, of populists and patriots, now I was known in pop culture. And so my frustration is I kind of got <coughs> typecast as just a Trump guy, uh, and that really wasn't accurate. And I'm not attacking Trump. I'm just saying Trump is <coughs> way later in the whole arc of, of the things I've been doing and, and what I've been up to. And, and there's so much of what we had exposed, so much of what we were covering <coughs> was picked up by people that are already aware, uh, like, like Steve Bannon and some of the other good people in the White House. But they weren't taking what Alex Jones had said and making that the early operating system of Trump with General Flynn, that was the real battlescape. That was the real system. That was who we were up against. But mm. the left took it and, and, and saw it as if Jones just took this whole New World Order conspiracy theory about all these systems and global government, and he made Trump believe it. Well, no, that was the real world. So seven years after you know, Trump started to first get in, we see now that this is the mainstream debate. Global government summits and world cashless societies and vaccine cards and social credit scores. So really, I was going off what was being set up inside government, what was being blueprinted, what was being beta tested, what was being prepared that in literature and in my family was witnessing and so I kind of had a jump on all of that, but it's not like I looked into a crystal ball and then suddenly knew all this stuff that was going to happen. My biggest frustration is people think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an insider, so I know this, or, yeah. or I'm, I'm you loyal opposition. You hear that a lot, yeah. No, no, but it's all right there. And, and so instead of being mad at me because I was way ahead of the curve, realize that I want to get everybody ahead of the curve for what's coming next so we can stop it. And And, and so... That's basically uh, you know, the whole arc of where I came from, from Access TV, from local radio to syndicated radio, <coughs> really from the grassroots. Uh, but the knowledge I had was really on target because it was the battle plan of the enemy. And I figured this out about 20 years ago. I said, I'm going to get ridiculed and attacked right now. People that are already awake, people that research this are going to know I'm right because I'm following the research, the gospel, you know, the real stuff that's there. But as this all unfolds, because I got to read stuff the New World Order global crowd wrote in the 50s, and I saw it being implemented by the 80s. And stuff in the 80s they wanted, I saw being done by the 90s. So it's kind of accelerating. It's, it's, it's a singularity. And so I knew that there'd be great credibility once we planted all these billions of seeds with people, once the tyranny came, once the cashless society rolled out, once the breakup of the civilization began, which was in their plans, that I knew be ridiculed today, but be believed tomorrow. And so we've reached that point that I did envision. If I was visionary in any way, it was that I bet on humanity. I believed in the people. I believed the public wanted justice. As Martin Luther King said, universe bends towards justice. And so I was able to really predict that once they started launching their new world order, it would be wildly unpopular. And so we've now reached that point. <coughs> Sorry. So, so, so the power structure thinks 
they can whack a mole and kill a Malcolm X or kill a Martin Luther King or intimidate people or kill a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or kill a JFK. And none of those guys were perfect, but they were actually were for the people, I believe, and were populist and, 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 and wanted a better world. Well, the globalists don't want somebody there trying to be in charge that's elected or who's popular. And so I saw that path. I see that path. And, and, I, and I wanted to bet on humanity because I believe in humanity that if they were given a warning that when the first tranche of the global system took over, the pain would be so great, people would go, oh, wait, this all got laid out. That's why they go back to videos 15 years ago, 13 years ago, 10 years ago, where I spot on say they'll lock stuff down, they'll lock in your houses, they'll, they'll make you wear a mask, you can't go to the football game, then they're going to give you a global ID and a vaccine passport, and people see that, they go, oh, my God, this guy's not just Nostradamus. No, it was all in their battle plan. So, again, that's the key. Once people start looking at the enemy battle plans, you're not listening to Alex Jones anymore. I don't need to call Tucker Carlson up or Joe Rogan now and tell them what to think or do. They already now are figuring it out. And, and once you get that perspective, and once you actually know that there is a group that's almost got total control, and they've got an agenda, and they've got a roadmap, and they've got a path well, then people can decide to get off this bus, get off this train, or stay on it. So I think my primary mission has has succeeded, but the enemy, the corporate media, the law firms, the Democrats, the deep state, they are minions. They follow orders. They can't believe I'm not being given orders from somebody. And so they've given me like Godzilla-level powers and Godzilla-level evil and have enshrined that if they can just take down Alex Jones and destroy me, uh, that then that will scare and, 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 and debilitate and discredit everything else. But instead, I can report to the public, the financial support's not increased and things like that haven't increased. But what has increased is I'm a bellwether. I'm like a, a gauge or a sensor. I don't mean censoring people. I mean like a sensor in a car, like, like how hot's the water in the radiator. Right. And 20 years ago, I'd walk down the street and maybe one out of 100 people would shake my hand. And 10 years ago, I'd walk down the street and maybe one in 30 would shake my hand. Then Trump and that whole thing happened seven years ago in the campaign and, and him getting elected. And it goes, I walk down the street, I shake 100 hands, but one person says, you're a Russian agent, I want to kill you. So I saw that big negativity, people dumping coffee on me, tea on me at restaurants, attacking me. Now, in the last two years or so, with all their attacks on me, the system's so discredited, this is key, that it's not that I'm even that good. The public now gets, wait, if they're attacking this, it must be important. And so now I can get international flights, local flights, go to liberal areas, go anywhere, go to the most liberal areas and eat dinner. My dinner gets bought, all I get's love. So that really shows they're losing. If, if I have a thousand interactions now, conservatively, before I have one negative interaction, because I don't hide like Howard Hughes, I'm, I'm all over the place. I go to the grocery store, I go to the mall, I go to the restaurants, I go to the, you know, everywhere, the gym, everywhere, church. If, if all their attacks to make me Satan have now made me more popular, I don't see that as Alex Jones. Right. I see that as a, as a sign that the New World Order is in a lot of trouble and that my bet on humanity was a good bet. Well, they're definitely coming after you, and, and, and not only you, but, and I say this, all the time on on my show is that they're very strategic in their in their attempt to silence certain individuals not only for what they say but as a as a symbol to silence people in the future 
Uh, I saw this in the NBA a lot, or I see this in professional sports or with young athletes all across the board as they come up through the system. This is the sort of moral hazard that has played out in our society writ large is, you know, when you're a young basketball player coming up, you know not to be too, um, you know not to be too unique. You know not to speak your mind. You know not to ask questions. You know not to, uh, uh, you know, be too political. You know not to really get involved in politics whatsoever. There's a there's all these sort of unspoken uh, signals from the system that hands out checks right at the top. There's all these unspoken signals that that um, condition you. And and you know, I woke up to that a little bit earlier than than many of my other uh, athlete counterparts and and many people across corporate America. Speak to, if you can, on Monday, I talked about this document, the National Strategic, the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. This was put out in June 21. I don't know if you're familiar with with this document, but um, on Monday, I said this is the most important document in America. This was going to be the the uh, precursor to all out tyranny that they were creating a paper trail and and they're using you as well and the indictment of you or the the lawsuits against you or the lawfare against you they're using that to create a paper trail as well and as i as i read through this document i could just see the name alex jones being written underneath the right under uh, uh, under the surface or in between the lines speak a little bit about the joe biden administration democrats in general Republican, establishment Republicans as well, in this sort of neocon, neoliberal order. Because I think it's really hard for people, it's really hard, the, the number one criticism I hear against an Alex Jones is that it, it's not that anything you say can be refuted. It's either A, that people just don't want to acknowledge it because of the because of the proposition, right? That it's fear, they're afraid that people could be this um, deceitful and corrupt and evil and wicked, or, it's hard for them to believe that people are are this good and effective at executing strategies like this. Can you talk about the neocon, neoliberal order uh, just in general? Uh, what tipped you off to it? What were the early things that tipped you off to the neocon, neoliberal order outside of family that you investigated where you were like, oh, no, 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 no. This is way, way out of, uh, you know, this is way off the, the beaten path from what they're saying and what's actually happening. Sure. Well, you in your first question, you brought up 9-11. We should talk about that. So remind me about yeah, yeah. that really is, is is one of the platforms of. No, we'll start the there. Yeah, just, just just start there. Start with 9-11. I didn't want to go back to it because honestly, I didn't know if you didn't want to talk about 9-11 or not. But let's talk about 9-11 first and then you could come to this last question next. Well, just as I, I should write some notes because everything you said is a really good question. Um we got time. First, we'll, first we'll, off, we'll we'll, 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 okay, so thanks. So here's the first thing people need to know. Okay. Until Trump, who just wrote in on the whole populist awakening in America that isn't right-wing or left-wing, it's just wants prosperity and freedom and security and a future, the Republican and Democratic parties were indistinguishable when it came to action. Their rhetoric was a little different, but... The neocons basically ran the Democrats. And so a subset of the Republicans basically created the policy that then Democrats would create division with to control everybody, but the Democrats were kind of sitting below the neocons. So mm. I said this on the air about a month ago, and a caller called in and corrected me. He's, I was saying Biden is the third administration of Barack Obama. And a caller called in and he said, no. 
you mean it's the fifth administration of George W. Bush. And I said, you're damn right. I'll take you one further. It's the sixth administration of George Herbert Walker Bush, Mr. New World Order. And, and, and the point is, is that it is a continuity of Harvard and Yale and Chicago Business School and, and Straussian fascism where they teach authoritarianism and they teach absolute power. They love Hitler. They just were mad that he tried to get the power, but they model themselves after Hitler, not in a racial way, but in the absolute power way. Authoritarian and, so and totalitarianism, yeah. Absolutely. So let's get it straight. The system's scared, not of Trump, the surfboard rider, not the surfer on the wave. They're scared of the wave. They're scared of the populism. They're scared of the people. They're scared of the people figuring out how stuff works. So when you go back and you look at 9-11, you have the Democrats, you have the Republicans, you have the whole media all telling you the same story. Well, all anybody's got to do is look up Building 7. And I remember the day it happened, I would have been on air since, like, it happened. I was in the shower when the first plane hit. I came out since a terror attack. Another one hit, got on air on the GCN radio network. So I did a couple shows for mine. I went live at 11 a.m. Joe Rogan came on and, you know, made comments. It, it, it's a famous show. And then we watched the towers blow up with these bombs. Clearly, you can see the squibs going out. But then at about 4 o'clock, I hadn't eaten all day. I forgot to eat. There was a pizza place a quarter mile from my house. And uh, so I call. I said, I'm going to pick a pizza up in 10 minutes. And I'm driving, and I'm listening to CBS radio. I can, I can bring up 10,000 points on 9-11 to prove it's an inside job. But th this one's real simple, open and shut, like you walk in and a guy's in bed with your wife. You don't, you don't need to go over any other information. You know, this is happening. So I walk out of the pizza place with my small pizza, and I get in the car, and I'm driving, eating it, back to my house, go back on air. And CBS radio says, the Solomon Brothers building, building seven, uh, is going to be a controlled demolition. The CIA headquarters is there, and they've decided to bring it down. And by the time I walk in the house, still cramming pizza in my mouth, it goes boom, 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 with blasts coming out the sides, and the building falls. Now, back in 2001, there weren't internet archives. There wasn't enough web service. There wasn't enough space. So I go back live on air on another show out of my house studio I had at the time. And I go and I said, they just said they blew it up. And callers call in and say, yeah, I saw it on CNN. I saw it on ABC. But it wasn't until four years later that suddenly they were so lazy, they put out the archives of it. So now we had the footage from CNN, BBC, ABC News, the audio of NPR, the audio of CBS Radio, who went to fuck here later. All saying they blew up Building 7. Then we got local newscast, the police saying, get back, they're going to bring down the building. Then Larry Silverstein went on PBS uh, three years later and said, yeah, we made the decision and blew the building up. So they say the building fell from fire, 47-story building, CIA, FBI headquarters, and all these key globals records in it, but it then blows up that day. So you can argue about Flight 93 and the F-16 that shot it down that's on record in the, in, in the, in the, in the congressional record. All of that's there, hundreds of points. The eyewitnesses, CNN, saying, I was there. A big cruise missile painted up like an American Airlines flew right over me and into the bu building. No wreckage, no nothing. You can debate that all day. But we have the footage of them blowing up Building 7 and those newscasts saying the decision's been made and we're going to watch the building come down. And mm -hmm. we have them blowing it up. 
They blew up all the buildings. Doesn't mean radical Islam doesn't exist. Doesn't mean, no, the point is, is that this was literally staged. So the Cold War was used to build up a huge national security apparatus and spying control that was really targeted to people. Because any police state's always mainly targeted and it's inside group, they always claim it's for an outside group. No doubt. Then 9-11 is used to target Islam, but really expand against domestic groups. And now, as you mentioned, that June report from 2021, now they're publicly swinging the apparatus around to say in that report, white supremacy is the number one terror threat. You know, well, I don't like white supremacists, but they're pretty damn rare. They do kill some people. Look at that, uh, you know, grocery store up there, that horrible person was being handled by a Fed. It came out, all the rest of it. Okay, super rare. It's not the number one thing out there, but why are they saying white supremacism? Well, then they define white supremacism, white supremacist, as questioning elections, questioning lockdowns, questioning forks injections, and questioning open borders. And so now the extrapolation and, and Christianity, of this, and Christianity as well. They said that too. Exactly. And now they say Catholics are the main threat. I'm not even Catholic. I'm going to say Catholics are perfect, but Catholics are the main threat. So they are they are literally exactly branding the American people as the main enemy, setting up this whole apparatus. And you're right. That's the most important document because he did it two years ago, almost two years ago, 21 months ago, and now it's all come true. And now his new executive order last week, two days before the uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapse was central bank digital currencies to, to, to secure the global banking system from instability. Mm -hmm. So he signs the order, bringing that out and having it ready. Seconds politically, historically, you know, two days before, seconds before, before they launch all this. So absolutely, it is, it is just, so if you understand, it's all about a domestic security force. It's all about legitimizing spying. It's all about legitimizing unlimited Pentagon funding. And it's about making your domestic groups your enemy. And that's what they've done. And so and, and this and for everybody out there, I mean, a lot of my a lot of my subscribers know Alex Jones, but we're getting little small pockets of followers from all of the places that I started, whether it be Bannon's War Room, whether it be Jason Whitlock, some people that followed me when I was an athlete and I was being covered for fighting against the NBA around mental health and mental health policy, which is which is a watering hole for the global corporate community, this same global corporate community, in fact. Um, and, and I guess. You know, even hearing you talk about 9-11, I, I get brought back to being a, a child. I was in the fifth grade when 9-11 happened, and I remember watching it on TV, and I remember, um, you know, being being very uncertain about what it all meant. Uh, and I remember our family, back then we still had a patriarch alive in our family. It was my great-grandfather, Louis White, and I remember a lot of us gathered at his house uh, and he, talk, he, he talked to us about uh, a number of uh, historical military events that he had lived through and kind of gave us some, some counsel and things like that. Uh, uh, and it's just, it's just strange because, you know, ex post facto, now I can look at my fear of flying where I had a real anxiety around flying. I didn't, I didn't really start flying until like, it must've been my fifth grade summer. We went to nationals in, in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Um, and, and my fear of flying being deeply connected to, to 9-11, and it was never that uh, radical terrorism or, or radical Islam uh, was, was the danger at 9-11, not that they weren't involved, but the narrative seemed off to me, and I guess my anxiety in general throughout my whole life has been deeply connected to understanding that the narrative does not match up with what my eyes see and what my ears can hear, and, and when I got drafted to the NBA, um, 
I saw how the whole machine worked behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And, and so then my, my anxiety really got, got uh, kicked into high gear to the point where I just rejected the entire system. I said, ah, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. Unless we can talk about the human condition forthright in front of the in, in the public, not not behind closed doors where you say, oh, yeah, Royce, you know, we know mental health is more a really important issue and blah, 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 blah. No, no. Unless we can talk about it on the record. I'm out. I'm out. Just blackball me. Do what you're going to do. Attack me, whatever the case may be. Uh, and we'll, we'll play our chips from there. Um, so, so you, you, you know, you, you make an incredible point about how the narrative was shaped and your instinct towards 9-11 being you know, it's it's not about radical Islam or not, because that exists. The question is, what narrative are, are you being told? With that being said, and I know you want to cover co cover the waterfront. I'm glad that you gave us that backstory because our fans really appreciate the backstory. They want to know where people came from. Because look, even me, I, I'm I was born in '91, right? I remember when the first rainbow color Max hit the schools, right? And then I remember when we had Game Boys, and then I remember when we had the Nokia. Uh, cell phone with snake on it. And then I remember the first sidekicks from T-Mobile, right? So I, I, I understand this progression of technology and how fast it's come. And so people get very lost in the arc of history. And that's the only reason why we wanted to establish, you know, Alex Jones before the current New York Times headline. So I appreciate that. But let, let's get into the waterfront now, because you're right. A lot of these things are coming out, not only around COVID-19 and, and, the, and the vaccines and, and much, much more. Um, but this domestic terrorism thing is aimed right at you. I mean, it's aimed right at you, you know, and, and we are very, uh, concerned. I personally am very concerned and all of us here at free people radio and all of the people who follow me are very concerned about these corrupt tyrannical kangaroo courts. I don't think I've, I tried to walk cause we're friends, you know, and we, we, we talk and, and we have a relationship. I tried to watch your, your, your court case there, uh, with the judge, the female judge. And I could barely sit through it. I, I, honest to God, I spit on the floor in real time, multiple times, just listening to the line of questioning and the and the prosecutor there or the 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 their attorney there. Uh, I I could barely sit through it. So as somebody who's in the crosshairs, and we talked about Joe Biden and, and the the apparatus aiming at citizens personally, uh, and you're one of them. But tell me about how, where you're probably most brilliant. Tell me how this connects on the international scene, because you got a bunch of people across the country who are coming together to aim their national intelligence agencies with the Five Eyes or other groups or their, their military or, or their government writ large, surveillance, all of these things at their own citizens. But how do these do these things connect or are these independent nations working together? I mean, working into uh, are these independent nations working on their own to lock down their own citizens first and then expand out to a global collaboration? Or are, were they all in on it from the beginning? Well, I think you said it perfectly right there. It, it, it's both. And this is a big subject that nobody talks about, but it, it came out in Congress last week during the weaponization of the state and the whole censorship hearings. Mm -hmm. And what came out of that is not that big tech and the intelligence agencies and the Justice Department and think tanks and legacy media are working together in concert with these dashboards to surveil and censor people on hundreds of issues that the state, the State Department decides what's attacked. That's not even a free speech issue. That, that's a side issue and that's, it's a big issue. But government organized with intelligence agencies through corporations and media 
to suppress and then attack and demonize people once they're suppressed, that's the worst authoritarianism ever seen. And, and it's the most sophisticated. And that's what even the liberal journalist, Matt Taibbi and Schellenberger, said to the committee. Like, we've, we've been all over the world. We've never seen something this sophisticated. So the Chinese have their social credit score, but it's hidden, uh, you know, at a certain point, but a lot of it's public. The one here is completely under the surface. And so here it is coming out. So while I was in those Connecticut and Texas show trials where the judges already found me guilty, unprecedented, and then just let the other side put on any evidence they wanted, I couldn't respond. People said your lawyers are idiots. Unbelievable. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I just sat there well, and people I thought said, there, I mean, I had genuine, I'm saying it because I had genuine fear. I mean, a, a tremor of fear went through me as a person who speaks my mind freely and, and, and with conviction about a number of issues. There was a tremor of fear that I had to pray about. I mean, I, I literally had to, had to, you know, sit there and pray. Like, well, that's because you know, your soul to, recognizes a real tyranny. So this yeah. is a big deal. It's not about Alex Jones. It's a beta test. And so I realized when the judges said I was guilty, and and then told the juries I was guilty, and they would barely let us defend ourselves. And, and threatened me with jail time if I said I was innocent. Well, even if you're, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, you can say you're innocent to the court. Everybody knows that. Man. I realized <laughs> it wasn't about me. They were committing a major crime, in my view, against all of our rights, all of our freedoms in a giant media event they thought would set the precedent. So I saw my children and everybody else's children losing their birthright there. So it was, it was, it was, I didn't feel sorry for myself. People said, I'm at dinner and eating food and hanging out with my family. Like, why aren't you more down about this? And I said, well, this asteroid's going to hit us all. So at least we're in a position to fight back against this. And at least they fear me enough to make me the lead elephant they want to take out. So remember it's, what it's they do to Alex Jones yeah. is, 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 is for everybody else. And so uh, they fear populism. They fear the people. They've had to take the gloves off. They've had to weaponize the government against the people. And now, you know, it's 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 like that old song, I forget the name of it, where it says, when they say hell to the chief, they point the cannon at you. And they've literally wheeled the cannons around against the people, and they're selling this idea to attack the people. And my only good news to the population is, through this crucible of attack and through this 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 obstacle course of just incredible corruption, which makes me sad for the people involved because they're so pathetic. I have seen, again, more grassroots support and more on-the-street affirmation. Even though they've minimized and put me in the phantom zone to a certain extent, go to InfoWars.com, go to Band.Video, you can find us there. But for most people, they, they're not even listening anymore. They just know, oh, that's the guy the bad guys came after. And it's not like I'm some sane or perfect, but I'm not screwing anybody over. I'm not lying on purpose. I make mistakes sometimes. But but it, it, it's at any time I'm feeling down, my wife goes, hey, we're out of eggs. Will you go? And I go, yeah, I'll go to the grocery store. And I just go there, and, and it's nothing but love. And, and, and so, again, the enemy needs to know, you wanted to destroy me. I don't care about monetary stuff. I care about my speech. You wanted to make everybody hate me. You wanted to make me an embarrassment for freedom. They've done the opposite. And so I think that's the most important message, and that's truth. Because I'm not putting a good face on this. People need to know that the most demonized man in America after Trump is Alex Jones, and it didn't work. And so what does that say about them? It says, Royce, they're out of bullets. Mm. Mm. The people understand. I mean, and, and you can only hide lies for so long. It's, and, and what I think people fail to realize is the time horizon, 
the time horizon of Satan and this more spiritual warfare. And I want to talk to you about, about the spiritual warfare. I, I mean, we all, we've all seen the, the podcast with you and Rogan and Eddie Bravo and the four hour podcast is probably the greatest podcast of all time, definitely from a statistical standpoint, but just from the content and the conversation alone. And, and I, and I, you, you know, in the first part, you wanted to keep getting into the, the, you kept saying, I want to get into the big deal. What's really going on behind the scenes, away from the politics behind the scenes and spirit and the spiritual and when I come on your podcast, I always try and emphasize that I think your audience is the most spiritually awake audience in, in the world. And I think that's really important. So let's get there in a moment. Um, they are out of bullets. They are out of, out, of, out of options. And I texted you the other day and I said what I fear in their, in their being out of bullets is the Hail Mary that will come. Because there will be a Hail Mary and it will be desperate and it will be vicious. It'll be extreme. Uh, it'll be as deceitful as they could possibly conjure up. Um, and, and that, that should worry all of us and, and you being targeted the way you are as a herald of that to come, um, get, let's, let's go to another still, let's pivot for a moment because another, you know, you were way ahead out there on the, the neocon neoliberal order and going after the Bushes and that, that whole globalist establishment or cabal. Let's talk about another one you were way ahead on. And that'd be our, our, uh, our guy there, Jeffrey Epstein, um, Let's talk about Epstein. Let's talk about the, because, you know, the one thing I see some liberals, some people who are card carrying Democrats, definitely black people. Um, and I always say black people, not, not because, you know, race is the most important thing, but because blacks and Jews have been used since World War II to, to strangle everyone's mind around their freedoms and rights being taken under voluntary uh, surrender. Uh, and, and as a black man, this offends me. As a Jew, this offends me. And when I say Jew, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, but you, you know, you understand the reference. Um, take me there with Epstein, right? And this entire, because again, a lot of people who are card carrying Democrats do seem to be very concerned about the children. And in this predation on our children, that's now kind of manifesting itself into LGBTQ gender queer theory in our schools, but has always had a presence with this sort of human trafficking, the, the dark side of human trafficking and potential government involvement. So walk me through the Epstein thing. Walk me through the early earliest days of you hearing about the human trafficking that was going on there in, in D.C. And, and Jeffrey Epstein's involvement. Absolutely. And then I want to get back into the big picture mm -hmm. that I can never get into on Joe's show. Not oh, we got all day. Believe, we're going we're to give you the time and space to go into the big picture as much as you want to. That's when I, when I wrote, when, in my mind, when I said we're interviewing, interviewing Alex Jones, that big picture he wanted to get into, if nobody else will let him get into it, we're going to do it here on Please Call Me Crazy. Not because you're crazy, but because you've been so spot on about other things, we should listen to whatever it is you have to say, in my opinion. But go ahead. Sorry. Well, well it's like that Gnarls Barkley song. Um, everybody's crazy going along with this system. And you, you've got to realize that you've gone crazy and then try to get your bearings back and do it. So I, I think we should begin with Skull and Bones of Bohemian Grove. I think it leads up to this. Okay. And, and why I was saying this. Again, I've been on air 29 years next month. And I grew up around people that had worked in black ops and special operations from the high-level management position, not from the low level. And I remember growing up and hearing this and then – when I was like 18, 19, 20, started to read the literature by the G. Edward Griffins, but, but so many others, that the mainstay of people like the FBI, you know, head in, in California, uh, Ted Gunderson and others, 
before I ever even interviewed Ted like 27, 28 years ago, I interviewed him like 28 years ago, they, they would say, no, it, it's Satanism, which is an ancient form of mind control, and if they can get you to hurt a child, they believe you're compromised, and, and they basically own you because nobody's going to put up with that if it comes out. If a banker cheats on his wife or a politician steals some money, that's one thing, but they want you kind of like the Italian mafia wants you to make your bones, commit a couple of murders, so they, they've got dirt on you. And you hear about the Mexican mafia and MS-13 and other groups want you to knock over a liquor store and shoot the clerk for no reason. It's like, why would you do that? Well, it, it's showing you've done a horrible thing. We've got dirt on you now. We know we sent you to do that. You're going to go to life in prison uh, if you don't do what we say. And so you go back to all the ancient cultures when they went into decline, in every single case, they would always bring back human sacrifice. Doesn't matter if it was Europeans, they did it. Doesn't matter if it was ancient Africans, they did it. Doesn't matter if it was ancient Mesopotamians, they did it. Doesn't matter if it was ancient people in Asia, they did it. It doesn't matter if it was ancient Mesoamericans. You know, all the groups did it. In their decline, they began to sacrifice children. Because metaphysically, spiritually, whatever it is, that's the coin of Satan's realm is destroying innocence. And a child is the closest image to God we're going to get because it's a seed. It can go any direction. It has the potentiality of the universe. So the, the, the uh, gasoline runs my truck. Gasoline runs my sedan. The New World Order is run on the destruction of innocence, of adults, of women, Hollywood, all of it. You know, movies like Babylon uh, that just came out that's actually very accurate from the early days of Hollywood. You know, bestiality, rape, devil worship, orgies, you know, drug abuse, all of it. None of this is new. It's happened over and over again. And so it's like a virus this group wants to inject into people. So if you look at Charlotte Iserby's dad, who was a member of Skull and Bones, and 40 years ago, he's dying of cancer. And he says, I want to accept Jesus Christ. Uh, she was a former deputy head of education later in her life under Reagan. But she says, I, he said, I want to accept Jesus Christ. He tells his daughter what went on at Skull and Bones when he was there in the 40s, or it was the 30s. And he gives her the annals of Skull and Bones that she gives to the Senate archivist, Anthony Sutton, who wrote Wall Street and the Rise of the Fourth Reich and all that. Like seminal works, Anthony Sutton. And she was a guest many times. She died a few years ago. I probably interviewed her 30 times. And so what we know from those annals and from her information and you see it in uh, the movie The Good Shepherd with, with Matt Damon, where he's the CIA guy, and every year, out of like 20 members of Skull and Bones, they would take one layperson, it'd be a white male, but it would be one person from a poor family who had the grades, and they would say, some new blood with all our blue blood kids, we'll bring in some new blood. Mm. And so he just had to have top academics. He had to be like the top of one of the sports at, at, at Yale. He had to have both the brains and the brawn. That's a true story, by the way, that uh, it was produced and directed by, uh, by uh, you know, a famous director. And uh, who's the guy that's in The Godfather 2? Uh, Robert De Niro. Okay, so yeah. they make that movie. They, they make that movie. And you, you, you watch that movie. That's real stuff from the documents she brought out. Homosexual sex, 
laying for days in coffins, asking demons to enter your body, uh, bathing in huge pools of feces, okay? This is what they're getting the so-called elites, and that's one arm, because we know there's the other arms of this and, you know, the arms that Ye talks about from a childlike perspective, but there's that arm, but there's also the Germanic Druidic death cult arm that is Skull and Bones, which was set up by the Illuminati, set up by Eisen, uh, Adam Weishaupt, uh, uh, and, and his people in uh, 18, 1832. And so that's just one chapter of the group where they're becoming possessed, they believe, by gods and angels and, and these entities. But to do that, they've got to have homosexual sex, they've got to bathe in feces, and, they gotta, and that's just when they're college students. That's just the opening door, what we know about. So this information comes out. You take a place like Bohemian Grove, which uh, Helmut Schmidt, who was the German chancellor, wrote a book called Men Empowers a Political Retrospective. That I've got a copy of somewhere around the office. It's a rare book. And he explains, we do our own juridic rituals in Germany and Austria, but our main mothership, our main head headquarters is Northern California in Monterio at the 2,700-acre Redwood Gorge, this valley around the Russian River where they do this. And so I get info from World of Wonder, Channel 4. They're scared to go in. They're going to get sued. They say, will you go in? We'll give you a map. You've gotten hidden footage of military operations and stuff in Texas. We believe you're the guy. This is in 2000 that can go in. I said, yeah, buy me a, I wanted a Final Cut Pro computer and I wanted $10,000 and my plane tickets paid for it and my hotel. So I get there, they're all scared. I, I infiltrate, I get in, I get the footage, I get out, and, and, and you see that. And not everybody that goes there is bad. Clint Eastwood goes, Danny Glover goes, you know, these people go. It's a feeder group, a couple thousand people, but it's into the skull and bones. That's why President Taft went there and others who was skull and bones. It's a skull and bones. Uh, in a cult, you've got circles. Or, or think of a pyramids like this. That's looking at it head on or from the horizon. But if you're above a pyramid, it looks like concentric circles. And so you've got skull and bones, at least on the surface, that's just the front group at the top of the pyramid. Then you've got Bohemian Grove. Then you've got all the other circles of the pyramid looking above it, 35,000 foot. And so I'm there. I hide under a Secret Service questioned me, so I hide under, after they leave me alone, I, 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 I hide under one of the buildings, one of the decks. It gets dark. I hear at this pool, at this lake, this little lake, they're having this ritual. Uh, a how, how, many, well, how, many hours did you, how many hours did you hide out to, to get this, this story in the footage? I was in there probably five hours, six hours. Wow. So I get in, I get in at like 2 o'clock. It gets dark at like 7, 8 o'clock. And then I go, okay. I got my map, a thousand yards that way is where this is. So I get there and I'm out there with all, about a thousand men at this big idol of an owl or a bull. It's, it's archetypal, it's both. It's a horned owl. So it's this big horned idol, 60 feet tall. And I'm saying, okay, this is what I was told. This is not, this is not real. And so I'm sitting there and they bring out a child, they mock sacrifice, it begs for its life, but it's, it's, it's not a real child. It's a theatrical, I learned it's Walter Cronkite was there. 
Walter Cronkite did the voice that night on a loudspeaker because, you know, ritual is all theater. Theater comes from ritual. So they do this, and they do this whole thing, and so I, I caught it on tape. Only time it's been caught on tape, by the grace of God, not me, because God's always been on my side. I've been very blessed. Like Martin Luther King said when I first came on, the universe bends towards justice. So I get out of there with that footage, and so that takes place, and, and, and that happens. So there's Skull and Bones. There's Bohemian Grove. So let's expand this out. You have Mossad agent Maxwell, who has a daughter that's a sex operative, who Jeffrey Epstein, who's Mossad, MI6, and CIA on record, going back 30 years ago, they start putting sex operatives on top scientists mainly. Their main focus was not politicians. And it came out in, in, in the Netflix show and all of it that's all confirmed with the court documents that he was running like an assembly line. He wanted hundreds of new women a week. He, he was so pissed that he couldn't get other men to vet him and have sex with him 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And like, hey, do you have a little sister? Hey, can we pay your mom off? They owned the local police department. And it was about creating thousands of sex operatives a year. And they had different stratas, local government, judges, um, federal politicians, international politicians. And the politicians knew they were going into these bedrooms to have sex with a 12-year-old to be made men. They didn't have to go knock over a liquor store or shoot a clerk. They didn't have to go kidnap somebody and cut their head off like the Mexican mafia. They were begging. They showed up at these events saying, hey, I'll do whatever you want. They're like, okay, go have sex with that 10-year-old. And it got worse. They would then take other groups to the temple at Little St. John's in, in the Caribbean and say, okay, this 12-year-old's causing us a problem. Go in there and strangle her. There's mainly girls. And so they would go in and strangle them. And these these rich women, and we know their names, it's just they would get off on, because they're an older woman, like, you know, 50, but they're over their prime, kind of like the, the, you know, the queen in Snow White. So they would get off on, like, going into some 12-year-old girl and just choking them to death, or they give them a meat cleaver, and they just start hacking them. And mm. to them, it's like, I'm powerful. I'm a billionaire. You know, I'm, I'm the big tech guru who died's wife, you know, that owns the big media groups. And they will just go in there with a butcher knife and just like, it's about their power. It's about the thrill of walking in that room in that dungeon. There's three little girls in there and you got a foot long butcher knife and you just hack their ass to death. And so Bohemian Grove is a feeder group to like, I mean, I, I wasn't, I'm not that good looking now, but I was pretty good looking uh, in 2000 when I was talking about Bohemian Grove. I had to run and hide because there were men whistling, pitching my ass after me. Secret Service questioned me. I had some code words I was given by the lawyer, people that got us in, who, who are actually insiders who were blowing the whistle. And, and so I had to hide out. That was just like feeder group, get Republicans, people there. You know, they got ho female hookers outside the camp. It's all male. If you want them, they're there. They've been like 100 jets land with the top female hookers. But you're not in the main group unless you get in a big group of men. They have gay orgies and all the rest of them. I'm not even attacking them for that, but that's what they do there. That's that's low level. At the Jeffrey Epstein level, it's corrupting local police, judges, everybody having sex with underage kids who know they're doing it to be compromised and videotaped to be in the club. Mm. But at the higher levels, it was all about walking in a room with a butcher knife with little kids crying for mommy, and they just go to work on them. 
And that's what they do. And folks, you've got to know who you're up against. Who would release a virus? Who would inject kids with spike proteins? Folks, Joseph Mengele on record in his own annals, came out in the Nuremberg trial, killed 5,000 plus children himself. He would get up in the morning after coffee. He'd load three or four little kids in his car. He'd give them chocolate bars. He got off on that, make them all happy. And he'd line them up in the morning, every morning. And with a Luger nine millimeter, shoot little girls and boys in the head. Now, you and I say, why would you do that? Well, you're not the angel of death, Joseph Mengele. Joseph Mengele has been eclipsed by these people. And so it's about them. I just killed five kids with my coffee, and I'm going to kill five or six every day, and I'm going to chain them down, and I'm going to vivisect their brain while there's a mirror while they watch me slice their cerebral cortex off because I'm going to dominate their will. I'm going to dominate their future. I'm going to rob them and enslave them way worse than some slave chained up being whipped because he knows he's a slave, but he's still got his will, and I'm not lessening that. But you're chained up as a man being, being beat with a whip or being made to build pyramids. That's nothing. They are literally vivisecting children in front of their, so to them, it's an artwork. The more spectacular, the more evil, the more, so, so at one level, it's about compromise. At one level, it's about blackmail. At one level, it's about control. But really, it's also they can do what they want, and it's beyond Jeffrey Dahmer. And so we have a cult of psychopaths, and, and a lot of it is the British royal family and I, I, I love Jews and I love Israel and I love everybody. I don't hate any group. They're good groups, good people from every group, you know. But when you're inbred, like the British royal family or some of these groups, or the Egyptian kings, any of them, that you go crazy you and you weird. tend to lean towards yeah, it. Whatever it does, it just, mm -hmm. it just, you, you get weird. And so all I'm saying is, whether it's the Chinese elite or whether it was the Mesoamerican elite, you go back to the Mayans and the Toltecs, they didn't interbreed. About 800 years ago, they've done this, the anthropology and the archaeology. The Aztecs say, we're a priest of royalty. As, so they were only doing a few sacrifices per site a month, you know, just for the gods. It was still wrong. It was bad. When the Aztecs start interbreeding, because the priest class is God and we can't share our seed, as within 100 years of the Aztecs interbreeding their priest class, they're killing thousands a day. And so... We have to understand the mental illness of these people. Like anybody knows this. You get a hybrid dog, whether it's a Doberman or whether it's a pit bull or whether it is a Cocker Spaniel. Why do they bite you? Why do they crap in your shoes? Why do they do weird stuff? Why are they so neurotic? You get a mutt that's four or five different breeds, hybrid vigor. It's like sweet. It's wonderful. It brings you your shoes. It loves you it's, it, it, because it's genetically diverse. It's these inbred people that express this insanity, not just the Habsburg jaw, but why did the ancients say in, in, in what's Transylvania, which is now Romania, the hungry border today, uh, in the Carpathian Mountains, it's in the real text 600 years ago where they said, children don't go out at night and don't go near the castle, the vampires will kill you. Well, there weren't real vampires that live forever. But there was Vlad the Impaler and his grandkids and his grandkids under the main line of Prince Charles. Look it up. I'm not joking, folks. Look, Prince Charles, Vlad the Impaler. It's his main bloodline who were so inbred with already aggressive, dominant people. But in, in, in Desmond Morris's animal psychology and study of human psychology, which I totally agree with, and also Conlad Lorenz, anybody that knows a badass, a really tough son of a bitch, they're going to usually be very sweet. 
They're going to be very nice most of the time because they're tempering that power they've got. But inbreeding somehow peels that off so they've got mm. all the aggression but none of the control. Mm. And so I'm getting into psychology and animal psychology here, but that's what I'm saying is we're dealing with a special breed of inbred psychopaths. And, and every region, every group has them, and they all have their own codes, their own society, their own systems. But at the end of the day, describe them as satanic, describe them as the devil. They come to kill, steal, and destroy. So Jeffrey Epstein was bigger than just an MI6, Mossad, CIA uh, blackmail ring. It, 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 it was one of the main cults of murder and human sacrifice and death that they are using, they believe at these temples, like they have in Little St. John's, that they believe when they commit these crimes, they get more power. And as they mm. get more power, they believe in it more, and they believe more death is needed. So I've gone to a long rant about this, but that's really the secret of who we're up against. And so, and and the, and, and we're going to get into the bigger picture. And I know some of these you know, some of these things correspond in, in that part of the conversation as well. So, but but it's your theory of the case that th these people are going after this this sort of domineering worldly power because they've accepted their their place with Satan and, and whatever afterlife, that, or is it that they don't believe in the afterlife at all and they're just saying the hell with it, let me get all the spoils I can while I'm here. That That's always interested me. Like, you know, the satanic tilt, and, and I said this in my podcast on Monday, it, Satan doesn't want you to, Satan doesn't want to force you to renounce your faith in God or, or renounce your, your humanity or your dignity or your self-respect. He wants you to choose it voluntarily. He wants you to opt in. He wants you to sign the line. That's where the adage goes of selling your soul to Satan. To sell your soul, you have to sign an agreement. Uh, it, it, you can't be forced to do it. That's not the same thing. So with the Epstein situation and with some of these sexual perversion, human trafficking and, and child murders and things like that, is it that they they've accepted the place with Satan, more or less. I mean, probably different for different people, but what would, at the, at the most elite level, you're saying they're Satanists. They, they've accepted their place with Satan. They've accepted that they're going to hell. They want to get as much worldly power as they can. Are they doing it to, to, to befriend Satan, to, to gain favor with Satan in a bigger spiritual warfare that's taking place? Or um, what, what's your take on that? You know, there's a lot of reasons they do it. And there's a final level above them that, that doesn't do it, but believe it's part of this balance that's really satanic, Luciferian. But imagine a median line of the average person. And over here, you got people who want to take care of the family and love children and just love happiness and goodness and friendliness. And, and you know, we're over here. We're not perfect. We know what's good. We're trying to be good. We want to be good. And then they just want to be extreme as possible. It's kind of like radical Islam or white supremacism or any of it where the most destructive, the most radical, the most hateful rises up. And so you got a spectrum over here of evil on the left-hand path, and they're always trying to push the envelope. They're always trying to go all the way out until the most crazy, destructive thing they can do to just be the coolest. And, and, and so... I would say they're seduced by the evil. They are enamored by it as a perversion. And so it's a competition on who can be the most deceptive, the most duplicitous, the most dishonorable. Because once you're going to go all the way with evil, I mean, it's a, it's a grab bag. I mean, a lot of them just do it because they want power and control. A lot of them do it because they enjoy it. It's genetic. And we're not 
predisposed, but we are potentially leaning that way today on our genetics. And so to them, it's really like an art project. They're just like, I'm in defiance of God. I don't like God's rules. I don't want to be good. I like this. It feels good to be bad. And look, I've been in that position. I'm not the biggest badass around, but you know, I remember people starting to fight with me and like punching me in the face, and I'd like literally, you know, beat them, beat them to death in some cases. And it was like this thrill of like, you've hit me first, I can get away with this now. And I'm like, you know, 17 or 16, and I'm just sitting there like literally pounding somebody's nose till it doesn't exist anymore. Later, I feel bad about that, but they see that was a little, oh, you asked for it, you opened the gate. There was that thrill of triumph, that thrill of being nasty. Now, now I wouldn't call that satanic. I call it hyper male, caveman, you know, uh, primal. beast. Primal. 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 But but it goes from that point. And so that's basically where they want so to that's get the, us. So that's the feces. So that's the, fe- so that's the bohem- bohemian growth feces, uh, uh, you know, feeder ground starter point is to get you in that primal uh, mentality. And then from the primal mentality, all of the the vanguards and rails of God kind of fall away, and then they can get you down more, a more directed, uh, you know, uh, intentional satanic mission or agenda. That's that's kind of the 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 template of it. Exactly. That's why intelligence agencies first want you to cheat on your wife, and you're like, well, I deserve this. Big deal. She wants to have fun, but you're being compromised. And then next it's this, next it's that, and then and none of us are perfect. But the point is, when we're sliding down the slope, we know it. We get off the slope. These people, they just say, I want to go down that slope and I want to see how deep it goes. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of just, yeah, they, they, they embrace it full scope. Another, another interesting story. Well, a few more. And then I definitely want to get to the big picture and let you, let you say whatever it is that you want to say big picture wise. But another interesting, one of the most, one of the most riveting uh, stories you tell uh, or that you told that I've seen so far is, is around Barack Obama and this entire uh, Pizzagate story. I mean, and I go back to these because I like to recall the history. I mean, I know where we are today. We got COVID on the docket. We got China on the docket. We got, you know, the war in Russia and Ukraine on the docket, potential financial collapse, all things that you've predicted for a long time and they're coming to fruition. And and we can speak to some of those as well. But, you know, I, I like to bring up the history because the history draws such a stark, such a stark picture for people is you know, and Pizzagate was another one where they kind of painted you as though you had sort of uh, set the fuse on this Pizzagate story. But in reality, the Pizzagate story with Podesta Podesta, and all these other people, but Podesta and uh, our guy there in, from Penn State, what was his name? Uh, the coach. Uh, I forget his name off the top of my head. But that Sandusky. Whole, Sandusky and yeah, and the, the, the Paterno and that whole crew. Walk me through that situation with Obama, because as a young black man at 2000, it's just just 14 years. ago. I mean, 14 years is nothing in, in, in the in the grand scope of time. Just 10 years ago, your average young black male is told that Barack Obama is the savior of this nation. He's the savior of black men everywhere. He's a symbol that you can achieve the highest office possible and that Racism no longer exists. I think now a lot of young black men and even middle-aged black men see that that was kind of a scam based on the results of President Obama's time in office and the policies that were set. But his wife is still out there. And like you said, Obama's are, are very in the inner circle of what's going on in D.C. with Biden and all of these other global agendas. 
Talk to me about the Barack Obama and Pizzagate uh, uh, whole fiasco and, and the, the CIA documents that came out with all this weird code language and they had this hot dog party and they asked $150,000 worth of gourmet hot dogs and, and that whole that whole deal that went went down. Well, I mean, Barack Obama is the son of a famous communist publisher and he wasn't really born in Kenya. The dad from Kenya is not his dad. And we have all the evidence of it. There's films on it. Uh, his his grandfather was a CIA section chief in Hawaii and and out to Southeast Asia at one point. His mother was a sex operative. It's all about ritual abuse. And uh, Frank Marshall Davis was his dad. There's famous porn um, from the 50s and 60s of his mother on the same couch in Hawaii where his uh, Frank Marshall Davis and Obama later in his book, Dreams of My Father, put a picture of him and said, it's like Frank Marshall Davis is my father. So Frank Marshall Davis was his father, the head communist in Chicago, the publisher of the National Communist Newspaper, who was really a CIA operative. His grandfather and grandmother, uh, Obama's were CIA. And uh, so... I don't even hate Obama. I mean, he was born into the CIA at high level, into a sex operative operation. He uh, was sent to Indonesia. Uh, you know, his, quote, nanny was a, you know, quote, tranny, all that stuff. You look it up, folks. And I think Barack Obama has been seriously sexually abused. And if you really pull back, I don't know that, but what he was into was a CIA MK Ultra operation. I mean, if anybody's MK Ultra with the sex programming, because that really gets to kids along with the trauma, and all of it, and the people around him, uh, I, 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 mean, I think he's MK Ultra, The Manchurian candidate. Oh, 100%. And uh, so uh, they own Barack Obama. Like, Trump is a big jerk and has his own problems, but, I mean, they don't own Trump. Like, that guy's not MK Ultra. That guy's freaking, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex in his own. He cares about America, but almost like it's his toy, you know, you know that he's going to prove he can do this. Uh, with Obama, you're looking at a slave. Same thing with, with Biden. I mean, Biden is a KKK member has come out. All of it, just a trashy piece of garbage. But they own him. He's so weak. They've got a thousand ways to destroy him. Trump Trump's covered his bases. What's the best they got? A hooker. So uh, that's where Barack Obama is, was a total betrayer. They wanted with Africon, AFRICOM to invade Africa. And they wanted a brown face to do it. And so that's why they put Obama in there. And that's all. I mean, Obama is um, a very, very sad person. And, I mean, you look at his mother and you look at his father and you look at everything he was involved in. Uh, you, you can really you can really see. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a victim. I'm just saying that guy is he's a robot. Yeah, he had, he had no chance from the start. He was kind of born into this whole deep state apparatus. And and, and fr on Friday we talked to Bannon, and Bannon said the same thing. And, and you guys haven't talked. And I'm sure you didn't watch the episode because you're you're a busy man running one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest shows in the world. But Bannon said the exact same thing from a different lens. He said that Barack Obama was a tragic figure politically, uh, uh, and he more alluded to um, the fact that Barack Obama ran as an anti-war populist. Uh, and then he got in office and the people around him that got their hands on him, uh, you know, sort of uh, 
use this sort of rise of Marxist, communist identity politics to, to cement his power and control there in D.C. and then spread to the greater mainstream media narrative. Well, exactly. Um, All you got to know is the corporate media is your enemy. So <laughs> if they're endorsing somebody, I don't care if it's Trump or Obama. Let, let, let me tell you, I was weak on Obama. Because I'm sick of racial conflict. I don't give a damn what color your skin is. I care what you produce and what your conduct is. So I didn't like John McCain. So I did not attack Obama. I said, I'm staying out of this election when, in 2004 or 2008, whatever it was. And then he immediately just turned open the spigots of tyranny. And I, and I made the Obama deception that had hundreds of millions of views, had a huge effect. And so, again, I, and it's not that I was dumb. I just you were wanted hopeful. to believe. You were hopeful. Exactly. You can't be sucked along, though, anymore, folks. You need, like Jesus said, proof. If this orange tree is good, it's got oranges. This lemon tree is good. It's got, if, this, if this olive tree is good, it's got olives. So if a tree yeah. doesn't, let me tell you, if a tree don't Judge produce, a tree by its fruit. Up, Judge a tree by Cut its fruit. Cut it free. down. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, another one, one other thing I have to ask you about, just along this this line of questioning, we're talking 2008, 2009, Obama comes in, and, and we have this entire, you know, we're, we're still in Afghanistan, we're still in Iraq, we're still tied up in the Middle East. Um, if you can... I mean, you know, you're you're one of the people that I would really, really be interested to hear about Assange and Snowden. I know they're two different cases, they're two different kind of situations, but but what 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 are your thoughts on on a character like Assange and Snowden, uh, and and what they contributed and what they what they? I mean, well, you, if you know Alex Jones, for all the people who are out there listening or watching. Uh, Alex Jones was was sounding the alarm on what Assange and Snowden would then uncover with with uh, document dumps and with Snowden. It was uh, it was the information that he took there. Uh, you you have always talked about the NSA and the CIA and our intelligence community and the corruption there, and it's tied into Bohemian Grove. But speak about Assange and Snowden. Does does the the criminalization or the 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 targeting of Assange and Snowden bear in your mind today as somebody who's a dissident as well and and in the crosshairs and where where are you at with Snowden and Assange? Well, that's a great question, Royce. Anytime I feel sorry for myself, I think of Julian Assange. Um, the real deal, great guy, trying to fight war, trying to fight torture, exposing Democrats and Republicans. And now he's like nine years in solitary confinement. He's reportedly out of his mind, totally tortured. Then we look at people like um, what's happening over there with the other guy, Edward Snowden. And I think Snowden's for real. He's been in Russia for a long time now. Got hiccups all of a sudden, sorry. He's been over in, in, in Russia for a long time. He exposed real CIA tools for surveillance, censorship, control, and staging events like the Vault 7 documents. Uh, and so I think Assange and Snowden, who was smart enough to get away before they got him, and, and like, how did they get, how did they get Assange? He's a red-blooded Australian, two super hot chicks at a bar, 
want to go to their hotel room. He goes and has sex with both of them. And the woman then says, he said he'd wear a condom. He raped me. Turned out both worked for the CIA on record. So they send in sex operatives. He has sex with both of them. And then the European government, was it Sweden? I forget which, where he was at. The point is they charge him with rape. The women said it was consensual, but no condom. Now, nine years later, he's in solitary confinement over that. So to tell you some interesting stories, not like I'm the best looking guy around. I have had them dozens of times now to where it's a joke. I'll be on a trip covering something and I'm at a restaurant table and as soon as my crew walks off, women, it's always a two-woman team. They come and they sit down. They're good-looking women. And they go, we really big fans. It's all cartoonish, though. We really think you're sexy. Can we go to your room right now? Like, they're way too way too greedy. And I just say, too yeah, thirsty. like Julian Assange. They're, they're ready to go I say, too like quick. Julian Assange. Yeah, they're, 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 like, they're like right to the, like, you get the deer in, your, in the gun, you're like, right away. I'm like, yeah, I want to be like Julian Assange. And right now, go to jail. I said, you know, I love my wife, my kids. Fuck off. She's my French. But but those have been. I've said in front of crews, seen this happen. It, it's happened in D.C. It's happened in Austin. It's happened in Georgia. It's happened in Minnesota. It's happened in California. They got these women crawling all over the place. But that's what Julian Assange, who we've learned from, fell for. But he's totally innocent. He's a hero. He should be released. But people need to know how real this is that they literally track your phone, they know where you're at. I mean, I got to say, I don't go on the road that much anymore, but I mean, a good third of the time, if I'm at a bar or I'm at, I'm at a place, the sex operatives show up. And and they're so obvious. They got, you know, PhDs, they're psychologists. They're usually 35. You're looking at them. They're looking at you like they're the lion, you're the gazelle. And you're just like sweethearts. It ain't, it ain't happening, and it's not going to go down. So I only bring that story up because you ask about Assange. He's not a bad guy. He's a red-blooded human. That's what he fell for. So his crime was he wasn't raping five-year-old kids. Yeah, and, and yeah, and I mean, it's a scare. All of our, all of our young men listeners and even our young women have to, have to be um, cognizant that the sex operative thing is real, and the and the sex the sex operation of this entire agenda is real. Exactly. And they don't just do it to individuals with a CIA. The whole thing's a sex op. The whole yes. culture, our kids. Exactly. Let's not think because we're famous. Let's not think because we're famous. It's just us. They, we get pinpoint directed attacks. They broadcast the attack against us all is what you're getting at. Well, they've taken a little a seed of what was used to build up the corruption in this country in the shadows, and now they've come into the light, right? And there's something very, uh, uh, there's something very dark about that proposition as well. But you can see it, and I, one of your one of my favorite Alex Jones rants is where you say, "No other species in the planet would allow a 250 pound space demon to get up close to its kids." Only. Only us in, in, in this country and in, and in the West and in the modern human civilization would we let these men dress up like 250-pound space demons and come read books to our kids. And, and I think if you, if you follow the trajectory and if you think about CIA, MKUltra, NSA, all of these black ops uh, you know, agendas. It's that all been, about getting access to the children who are the absolutely. seed of the future. Yeah, and, and not only that, I, I also think that 
people's unwillingness to to hear a person like Alex Jones or see your story or see how you've been targeted, their unwillingness, they're not even sure of. They're, they're not even, they, like I was talking to my grandmother. My grandmother is, you know, uh, you know, boomer, uh, real, very clear thinker. We had a bunch of conversations when I was growing up about politics and she's very open-minded. And, you know, before last Friday, she had a completely different view of Steve Bannon. Uh, and after that, she listened to the entire interview and she's like, I, I feel completely different about Steve. Steve is great. I, I, I like Steve. Right. Uh, and I'm sure many people who listen to this will have the same opinion about you. But but I don't think that people even understand how they've been conditioned. Right. I, I think that people are unwilling to see the convergence of this sort of LGBTQ focus on the kids out in the open and the sex operation stuff that has gone on in the shadows for so long that you've alluded to. No, you're right. Uh, They're bringing it out in the open. And that's what I've learned because I used to be ignorant too. Like I've been lied about so much that I've learned like, usually you think you hear something on behalf of it's true. No, a lot of times none of it's true. I've learned unless I see something myself, I don't believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all coming out in the open. And for everybody who's listening, who thinks, oh, well, he's, you know, this guy's going to listen, all of these things are coming right out in the open. And if anything, if, 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 if you don't have enough absurdity right in front of you to be able to open your mind to the darkness and perverseness and evilness and wickedness that, that prevails in the shadows in this country, the hard, hard truth is that you probably are, are just in denial at this point. I mean, we're seeing it all. So tell me a little bit about, uh, and before, and I, you know, I, I'm keeping the great Alex Jones as long as we can for all of the fans. Here. No, I'll stay here as long as I can, as long as, as, long yeah. as I can go take a piss here in a minute. Yeah, we, we, can, we can do that. Before I'll go another go, hour, Royce. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're, 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 we are live from Free People Radio with the great Alex Jones and InfoWars. This is an amazing time. I'm, I'm completely honored to have you here. Um, but Royce, let me talk- say that because I want to explain something. People tell me we're sorry for what's happening to you in grocery stores and gas stations. And let me tell you something. I mean, I'm not in great shape like you. You're a beautiful specimen. But I'm like, you know, 5'11", 280 pounds of, of, of life. I'm not a baby. I'm not a child getting raped by people. Folks don't need to worry about Alex Jones. Our children are being hurt and poisoned by this culture, by 5G, by rape, by psychotic demons. So... If I get killed in this fight, I feel good, man. My genes, my my bones, my cells want to defend children. And all I'm telling people is the kids are under attack, folks. We need to stand up against this agenda and stop as men caring about what happens to us. Because as a man not caring anymore and doing the right thing, it is such a power to step into that office as a man, as a warrior, and say, I don't know how this is going to end, but if you want to fight, you better believe you got one. Mm. And and the uh, let let let's let's talk a little bit about we we have to we have to talk a little bit about this entire pandemic and the use of the pandemic to fortify the lockdowns and the the conditioning of lockdowns and 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 then you know not only not only COVID and the and the vaccines but also alongside of it. Um, this war in the in, in Russia and Ukraine. Because if you think back on the timeline, you go George Floyd, you go COVID, you got George Floyd, big cultural Marxism play out in the public with police state and this kind of uh, info war that happens there. And I was there in the ground level and I saw it firsthand and my red flags. And that's off, the thing. The what happened to George Floyd was sad, but the point is it's a manipulation. It's not even about him. 
Absolutely. You can't, people try to debate what happened there. It's it's an artificial manipulation. Yeah, absolutely. What what about COVID? Let's let's talk COVID. Let's talk COVID. You were one. Of, I saw a video just the other day. There was a video where is about ten years back, and you're on air saying, in 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 short order, there will be a virus. There will be viruses that will be used to justify locking you down and taking your rights and freedoms. And and here we are today. It's all coming out that not only was the virus uh, made in a lab, uh, but but definitely the tyranny from. And Dr. Chris Martinson, we had him on for the first Family Friends episode, and I thought he made an incredible point culturally about COVID where the the Commonwealth countries from the crown were the most tyrannical in their COVID response. Canada, the UK, New Zealand, these countries went, Great Britain, these countries went above and beyond everybody else outside of China. They went above and beyond everybody else's response to COVID. Walk me through COVID, walk me through your experience with the biowarfare science that has gone on in the shadows. Well, you bring up a really good point here, Royce, and I'm glad you raised it. I am half from the uh, British Isles and half German. So all my family, my genetic line comes from Germany or it comes from what is the UK today, Irish, Scottish, English. So I'm not against the British people. It's just like if I criticize Black Lives Matter, that's not black people, that's a George Soros creation. Let's get that straight. So when I criticize the UK, I'm not criticizing white people, I'm explaining where the evil comes from. Everybody wants to say Israel's where the evil comes from? Hold my beer. It's the British Empire and the black nobility, nothing to do with black people, folks, is what it's called, out of Italy in the Dark Ages that came to what is England and that base. If you study it all, they're the most powerful. They run it all. And everything the British Empire has done is to set this up. The transgenderism comes out of there. The New World Order comes out of there. All their projects, all their programs, all their operations that you were just alluding to come out of there. And so the British Empire is the model for the Antichrist New World Order. It's not the people, you know, oh, it's like when I said they blew up World Trade, World Trade Center 7. They went, Jones says the firefighters blew it up. When did I say that? Firefighters didn't. The globals did. The deep state did. So what I'm saying is, if you want to know where the real main webs, there's a lot of webs around the world. And China, China's a big one. There's others that are big. Pentagon's big. But the British royalty and the British system and the British empire and what they set up is the main epicenter or blast point of all of these ideas. And so that's why Australia has the worst lockdowns after China. That's why New Zealand has some of the worst in Canada is it's all the group that runs what's left the British Empire is as smart and as cold-blooded as you can get. So we all think because of Ian Fleming and OSS and MI6 that James Bond's a good guy. No, folks. James Bond is Spectre. And that's the joke of those movies and those books. Spectre is the UK. Spectre's who we fought 400, uh, 250 years ago. Spectre's who George Washington fought. And it's, again, not the British people. That, that, it's just like when they brainwash 
young black men to go out and attack white people. It's a tiny minority. We don't blame black people because of that. And it's not kissing British ass. I don't say don't blame the British people to kiss their ass because I'm, sure, I'm scared to say it's out of England. They don't know. They're the biggest victims, just like black people are the biggest victims well, of all and, this race war. And even more, and, and for another great example, I say oh, people all the time, oh, I was on your show and I had a bunch of feedback and people go, oh, you're shilling for Israel. No, no, no. No, the people of Israel, the Jews all across the world, the majority of Jews are the victim of these anti-Jewish elites the same way the black bourgeoisie sellouts who are your community nonprofits or Jean-Pierre, they get these appointments. Who has the highest out. death rate in the world from the shots? The Jews. The, the Jews, worst shots absolutely. are in Israel. Exactly. And our good Sorry, friend, I'm, I'm both of our, no, go, both of our good friends, uh, Zev Zelenko, Dr. Zev Zelenko, the late, great Dr. Zev Zelenko, went before the rabbinical court and he, and he begged the rabbinical court, please. Do not allow these shots. This will be the the genocide uh, or the Holocaust of the Jews, and and maybe and maybe it's not necessarily going to be this iteration of the vaccine. But, but it sets it the precedent. The, it sets the precedent for a, an attack. And on let's the, say and, that. Let's say that right now. The Jews are beautiful people. The absolutely. Christians are. The Africans are beautiful people. The Germans are beautiful. The Mesoamericans. We're all made by God. Let's stop. This BS, we're beautiful. God made us. Let's stop Absolutely. it. And, you know, here's a, and one of my good, good friends, family member. I, I can't wait. to One, one day we're going to get you up to Minnesota. We're going to keep those sex operatives away from you. But we're going to get you up to Minnesota in studio before it's all said and done. And you'll be able to meet my good uh, friend and family member uh, and, and mentor. One of my mentors, Professor Penn. Uh, his podcast is is Aaron now too, and he's a wealth of knowledge as well. He's from that generation, came through um, the intellectual tradition of the university, and saw communism born in the universities firsthand. But he always says, and he's a, he's a Jew, and he always says to me, and I I find it very profound as a Christian and Catholic that um, the attack on the Jews was to was to um, try and force or persuade the Jews to lose their faith, right? That there was a there was an attempt, and what effectively came out of World War II and the Holocaust is that many Jews did lose their faith. Many Jews did become secular. Not all of them, but but some of them. And so, or they gave their faith over from God to Zionism, to or 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 medical technocracy, right? And it's the same same thing in an effect. Um, but but there's a spirit. And again, I'm not saying Jews place. shouldn't have a homeland, or that I'm even again. I'm saying right. God is the focus, not a country. All I'm saying is God is the focus. I think Jews should have a homeland. I'm just saying the homeland and the people running it are not God. Well, and it's not by coincidence. If you look at the history, it's not by coincidence. You, you get a couple of countries that if you drive back cultures, people, this stuff has a history. And here's my biggest frustration. When I listen to an Alex Jones, because I'm a student of history, a, a very avid student of history, I, I love it. I hear something you say, and I'm, I'm going to dive into the history. I want to know. I want to go become familiar with the time and the place and set me there. I want to be able to see it. And, 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 but I think most people's reaction, with as much information as we've been given, with as much access to the history that we've never had before in 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 all of of human existence, people are so reluctant to go double check and triple check the no, history. No, you just said it because my crew does this, and we do this with your show as well. You can take anything I say, like if I say this project or gain a fun, any term we say, you can look it up. It's it's like, and that's why I believe in humanity, Royce. 
is I'm simply spewing the transmission like the bat signal, believing Batman's going to come. I, I mean, that my job is not to save people. My my mission has been like, here's the emergency. Here it is. This is happening. And I believe human resources will come in and defeat it. And I want to be honest here. Now, let me just give flowers where flowers are due for a moment. Joe Rogan stood in the breach in a moment in time in history where he could have done anything with one of the biggest platforms in the entire world, but he decided to let people on who were considered controversial, extreme, conspiracy theorists, and so on and so forth. And we have to give him his credit for that. Now, do I agree with Joe on everything? No. But I do appreciate the fact that he allowed so many historic conversations to take place. And when you really look back at history, they, they, they are substantial in weight. And the podcast between you, him, and Eddie Bravo is, is a go-to. I mean, it has such great replay value. But in the beginning, you say multiple times, look, I'm going to get into the big picture. I'm going to get into the big picture. And I always told myself if I had the chance to interview you on my own podcast that I want you to go into that big picture. I want you to go as deep as you need to go uh, to, to explain whatever it was that was on your mind at that moment. Um, and here we are. I have the privilege to interview you today. So I want to get into that big picture. And, and I don't care where it takes us. Uh, I don't care how deep that rabbit hole goes. I want to hear from the great Alex Jones what the big picture is here. Because I think a lot of people look at out, look out at the world and they, uh, they, they feel something's wrong. They have an intuition that something's deeply wrong, uh, but they don't have the information nor the courage uh, to connect those dots and, and venture off into, into that place. Well, let me just say, it's, it, it's hard to talk about infinity because it's so big. And so, you know, when I was on with Joe, you talking about an interview like four years ago. Um, it's, it's, you know, I cover the things I can cover, the politics I can prove, and people can't even accept that. But people should just know this. God is 100% real. This is all a giant test that we're involved in. And I think everybody fundamentally knows that. And so the first rule is know that God's real and know that God has a plan for us that's amazing. And, you know, you can study mathematics, you can study quantum mechanics, you can study what the globalists are up to. The average globalist is not an atheist. They know that God's 100% real. They're just mad that there's something bigger than them in control. And so really, the big secret is the establishment knows God's real. And there's an exercise that... I've been having since I was like two, three years old when I was first conscious and able to remember. They say most people can't remember past five years old. I remember right back when I was like two years old. And it, it's, it's, it's this exercise. If there, if there was, it's so profound, it kind of feels pathetic to even say this myself. Like I'm not supposed to even say this. It sounds so simple. It's kind of like, well, what does that mean? But it, if you know this, you know the mind of God. So it, it comes down to this. Imagine a universe where there is nothing. And then how could there be nothing? How could there be no God? How could there be no anything? Anywhere, any place. And say, how could there be nothing anywhere, any place? Even that nothingness is something, but it's not. Imagine the void does not even exist, and now you've begun 
to look in the mind of God. And that idea drives these Satanists crazy because they know God's 100% real. They know all this is real. And, you, and then you ask the next question. Well, if there was a God that created all this, who made that God? And who made that God? The point is, you come back with one realization. There is a God, there is creation, and there is perfection in that. I mean, look at it. We were like, I, two weeks ago, I was like in the Caribbean swimming around like little pink uh, stingray swimming around. And like, I took my five-year-old daughter under a bridge. I said, baby, there'll be a lot of fish over there. It wasn't near the tourist. I said, let's go over that bridge. There were sharks and there were barracuda. And my five-year-old daughter's got her little mask. We're like three feet away from barracuda. The point is, what made all that? This is so magic. It's, 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 it's supposed to be understood and seen and, and just marveled at that what created this artwork? What, what, makes us, what makes us love a sunset? What makes us love the deep, dark woods at night? What, what makes us love a campfire? What makes us know what is beautiful? That's God's imprint on us. But if you want to go next level, the exercise is to just sit back and say, if there was nothing, what is there? And then what does that mean? And then what does that signify? How could there be nothing? How in all of creation, in all universes, in all dimensions, in all systems, could there be nothing? What would there be? And so it's at that moment you reach the final point of realizing that's God. That's infinity. And then you look at these pathetic creatures attacking families and attacking fathers and mothers and children, and everything we know is good and produces order and beauty and creation, all the good things we have. And you look at these people like the Jeffrey Epsteins and like the John Podestas and like the Barack Obamas and like the Queen Elizabeths, and you say, what pathetic people that they could try to go against that order and take control of that order and play God. So, you know, you talk about it, I, you know, I, I mean, I can get into it. I don't need to take DMT. I don't need to take ayahuasca. Every DMT night when takes I go to Alex sleep. Jones. DMT takes Alex Jones is a, is a famous internet, uh, uh, quote out that's out there. I got to say, well, that's that the joke. The is what what do aliens see when they take DMT? They see Alex Jones. It's <laughs> funny, great. but it's awesome. It's awesome. But 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 what I'm saying is is that I you know call me crazy, call it whatever it is. But when I sleep at night, like last night was spectacular. It was like 50 years compared to today. Like my sleeping eight hours a night is a whole nother lifetime compared to all this. And what is that? That's my brain, and even mainline science shows this. We're in the third dimension, but your brain goes fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh dimension in its equations and what it does when you're asleep. And a lot of it is modeling. A lot of it is your brain wargaming things. A lot of it is your brain working things. But when I'm really deeply asleep and I enter that REM sleep, the last hour or two of sleep, I, I mean, I go to a place that is so much richer and more advanced than any of this. And so, 
when I was telling Joe, I'm ready to tell you what I've seen there, we see the Romans and the Greeks, and their image of heaven was cherubs. These little fat people, these little healthy, beautiful, forever young creatures. And when I when I commune with God and the God's angels, when I'm asleep, it's it's my grandmother, my grandfather, somebody, a friend that died, whoever they are. And it's not like some weird spiritual thing. It's not like some mumbo jumbo because the information I've been given over and over again in this dream state is literally happens exactly as I was shown. And just about a week ago, I called my mom and told her about this a few days ago. I don't tell, call my, I've never called my mom and said this. Uh, four days ago, I called my mother and I said, I was in a deep dream. And I know these dreams because I had dreams before 9-11 of the smoking building and the bombs and bin Laden. I went on air and said they're going to blow the World Trade Center and blame bin Laden and they're using for control because I was having this recurring dream. And the dreams are not like watching TV. It, it's HD, people jumping out of the buildings and the burning and I'm seeing the World Trade Center on fire. And I, I went on air and said they're going to blow up the World Trade Center again and they're going to blame bin Laden. I mean, I did that in July 25th. Uh, 2021 on record because we got, I was with a few times I said, I've got to tell people because it's kind of like Close Encounters of the Third Kind where they keep building the mountain. Like all these people are like, oh, the mountain's here, the mountain's here. It, it's like that psychic message. So when I get into what what what, what the next level is, I've, I, 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 I'm literally there and I'm seeing it happen. So when I was growing up, I would have like this dream where I'd wake up sweating and really sick and go throw up. I never had those type of dreams. And the dream would be like, they're going to tear up the golf course in front of the house on the ninth hole, and they're going to build a house on it. And then you're going to see like a black and white cat on the top of the house. And I would have the dream over and over again, like I was like 10, 11, 12. Then they decided to tear the golf course up. They built the house. And one day I'm looking there, and one night I'm out there, and there's the cat on the roof. And it's like mm -hmm. God was showing me these aren't regular dreams. Sometimes I'm going to break space-time continuum, and I'm going to show you where – one time, about three months before it happened, this guy with a white guy with a pink and purple striped polo shirt comes out from behind a gas station when I was illegally buying beer and attacks me to mug me, and I ended up, you know, beating him up. But I had that dream, and I remember that dream. And when it happened, it was like deja vu because it happened. But that was only God saying early on, when I show you these dreams, these are real. So they're like in super HD, like blaring color these dreams like lights coming out of them all this stuff's happening and you're like this is absolutely insane what is this and then later in life it became political in those dreams i had so about a, four or five days ago i don't know royce you asked for this so i'm gonna tell you i'm Please, sitting there continue. my grandfather died about 12 years ago super smart guy you all about the new world order uh clyde w hammond and I'm in this dream about four or five days ago, and I'm in this dream, and it's like, it looks like a cherub. It looks like an old man, but it's young. And I'm looking at it, and it has beautiful blue eyes, and I, I feel the love from those eyes. And I'm, I say, who are you? And I was like, I'm your grandfather. And I could see it. I seen a photo of when he was a kid. You could say it's my brain manufacturing, but I've already seen this stuff come true. This wasn't. This was space-time folded and my grandfather literally saying, you're under attack. I love you. You're going to win. We're with you and everybody else. Let the people know God's with you. And it was so beautiful to literally stare in his eyes like an eternity. And that level of love, 
and to see his heavenly body because it looked like a cherub, but it was because it was an adult. It was an old man, but in a new body, living forever, like a five-year-old, so creative, so amazing, so happy. Mm. And I saw him, and I knew that, and then I got a huge download after that. And the problem is we're finite to now download that information and now be ready to unwind all that. I just got another download five days ago. I only had three before, and now the downloads are coming quicker. And the point is, they talk about AI, Royce. They talk about power of these stupid computers. We literally created everything. God created us. We have unlimited power. And as soon as we realize that potential and what this test is, that's the next level. So I remember, as early as I remember, three years old, these dreams of flying towards the edge of of reality and the edge of creation. And, and my wife, I told my wife this last night, she got so mad, she said, how can you arrogantly know the mind of God? I do not know the mind of God. I know what God told me, and I saw what God showed me. And I remember as a child, every night, the recurring dream of this giant, it's like Tron with that big spinning hard drive at the end, but it's more like a black hard drive but more like an hourglass going together, the whole universe, all of time spinning, and then you fly right into the point of where the hard drives come together, and then you go to the infinity of God asking, where did I come from? What is this? How am I here? And I'm not being arrogant to say the one thing God doesn't know is where God came from, because imagine you are all-powerful. You can create a trillion universes without even thinking about it, all this consciousness, all this free will, but where did God come from? And so the main message I get from eternity past the pedophiles and the devil worshipers and all their idiocy is God is in a quest to discover where God came from. And I don't say that in arrogance against God. The message I get back from God is in that infinity of understanding is where did I come from? And, and, and in, that, in that moment, if you focus on that question, you will find God and you will find all the answers to everything that God knows other than where did God come from? And so that's as best as I can describe it. I, I saw in visions um, the universe like a comet with God's consciousness and all this will and all these ideas, and all this beauty flying through this darkness of space with this long tail. And God knows that there's evil and, and everything and God understands us. And God is a get behind me, Satan, as Jesus said. God is flying away from that tail but it's still part of God. And I'm not saying God's evil. I'm saying that's in my impression, my imprint of God. God is this fireball of life and justice and power and understanding and will and just gifts upon gifts and every pleasure we've got. And then towards the end, it just streams off as God runs away from God's evil side and what God wants to escape. And so I think that's, I've seen God. It's like a white, comment in the blackness of space with will and consciousness and creation and power and the great question of what are we here for and i believe that is what we need to understand and that will humble us no matter what our car looks like or what our wife looks like or our children or any of it we were made by this we are part of something huge and under that understanding we transcend everything so you wanted to know the next level that's it in my view Unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for 
going into into that here on this podcast, please call me crazy. And I'm sure some people will look at at a at a moment like that and call it crazy, but I just see one of the most one of the most genuine moments I've ever witnessed in in my life, and and I really appreciate it. I don't even know how we could go back to any politics from there. I think I'm going to have to have the great Alex Jones back on another time to dive into some political topics or some more specific things because there is not a more powerful, powerful place to stop this this conversation or this episode than that. Um, Alex, I appreciate you, brother, from everybody out there, the fans uh, of InfoWars and all the work you've done over these decades. We love you. Stay strong. Love we're, you too. We're, we're, we're there with you. Know, you know, I love we're, you, Royce. You, you got a good soul. I can see your soul, brother. I love you so much. Thank you, Thank you man. I appreciate you. And, and I either got to get back down to Texas, or we're gonna have we're gonna host you up up here in the great state of Minnesota when you have a chance and and go in studio. When we're in studio, it'll be easy for us to just run off three hours. We'll smoke some cigars and and have some fun and 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 you know, drink some uh, some whiskey together and, and do do what men do, do what comrades do. But um, thank you for the time today, Alex. I really appreciate you and love you, brother. Um, Godspeed. The fight continues. God bless you, brother. Thanks for the time.